Down at 10. Pick it back. Here comes the rush. They've got him sack number one. Hassan Reddick for five and a half of the season. Wow. Mahomes looks to throw it. Pump faking right side. He wants it. A comeback cut. It is caught by Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. One of the greatest duos in the history of the National Football League. What's up, everybody, and welcome into the first edition of Canton Bound. That's right. The boys from South Harmon, the boys from 40 Chess, will be doing a dynasty-focused show over here at Campus to Canton. Huge, huge shout-out to everybody over at Campus to Canton for this opportunity. Some very special people over there, Austin, Felix, Matt Bruning, who got me into even knowing about C2C Leagues. And becoming kind of this passion, this this project of mine that I wanted to get better at because they're they're so intriguing. And now here we are, an opportunity to do a dynasty focused show on the campus to Canton channel. Holy cow, pinch me. Thank you to everybody over there. Austin, thank you for getting this all set up, buddy. Uh, I can't express how much I appreciate it. And I'm excited for this opportunity. Had to go out, try to make the dopest intro I could. I'll probably fine-tune it, tweak it, you know, if, if anybody knows me. Like, I'm, I'm never happy. Like, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta make it just right, just right. But great starting point, I can tell you that. I love it. I love it. Especially that uh, the Mahomes to Kelsey connection radio call there at the end. Just makes me think of, of Adam and myself, uh, <laughs> you know, the greatest in the game. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. This is going to be the first one, and it's going to be a solo pod, and it's just going to be me spitting my thoughts, laying the groundwork of what this podcast is going to be every single week that we're going to bring it to you. We'll get Adam on. Don't worry. Don't worry. I can't do this without my, my ride or die. Like, he's going to be here. But for now, all you get is me, McNutted. <laughs> if you don't know me, you can follow me at Iowa Michael on Twitter. Go check that out. Um, if you, if you're inclined, go check out what we're doing at South Harmon, YouTube channel, website, the whole works, but this isn't about me. This is about campus to Canton. This is about you guys. This is about what we're going to do over here for a dynasty focus. I know my lane. We'll probably cross over a little bit and spit some, uh, some C2C stuff on here, but what I know is dynasty. And that's what they brought me on to talk about is dynasty. How do you dominate your dynasty league. So this is what the show is going to be about. This is what we're going to do. We are going to dive into some strategy and today we will get into it. We'll have a, a nice segment here where we just talk about some basics, but trust me, the in-depth strategy, that stuff that you go, wow, wow, I didn't know that, or I should try this or, or things that get a little bit more risky where you're really trying to get every single edge that you can possibly get in your dynasty league. We will be talking about on this show, whether it's me by myself, whether it's me and Adam, I'll also get some guests on, and we might get some of the uh, the campus to Canton favorites, you know, make an appearance, kick in the door a little bit, and say what's 
we'll have to see if uh if I can co coerce them, coerce them, right? You know, get them on. Let me get some of that uh let me get some of that strategy you guys got going on over here because this uh, website, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how incredible it is. Big thing. If you're new to C2C and you haven't, you haven't already signed up on the website, use the promo code South Harmon. S O U T H H A R M O. South Harmon. Use the promo code South Harmon. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got. Use that promo code. But before I keep rambling on and this becomes a 35 minute show about me just, uh, you know, saying thanks and, and spitting, uh, spitting the facts that you guys already know about how great this C2C community is, let's dive right in. Some basics of dynasty knowledge and how important it is to just lay the foundation in your league. Like, where would you start from if you're newer to dynasty, if this is going to be your first one, or you're even thinking about getting into your first one? The most important thing, in my opinion, is knowing your league. And we say that as a general overview, but it means so much. And what do I mean by knowing your league? Well, here's some basic stuff, right? The basics. Is it a 1QB league or is it Superflex? Because I can come on here and spit facts about Superflex strategy all day, but it doesn't apply to people who are in 1QB leagues. No one cares. If you're in a 1QB league, you just tune that part out. Now, maybe there's some hidden player analysis that I put in there or maybe a little nugget here and there that I would drop, but no one really cares in a 1QB league because generally I'm talking about super flex strategy and it's going to be in the sense of market leverage, QB hoarding, you know, securing the premier number two quarterback essentially right that that whole strategy that we talk about we'll get into this at a later time but there's a strategy where in a startup draft or even if you're doing roster construction for Superflex, it's very beneficial to your team in 99 percent of the cases to have two elite quarterbacks on your team and you will do a ton to make sure that happens in a one qb league you don't want two elite quarterbacks on your team that's a headache. <laughs> That's a waste of a roster spot, essentially. You're good with just one. So basics. Basic. Is it a one QB league? Is it a super flex? The other thing that we have to keep in mind all the time when talking about it, and this is where context is always so key, whether it's me grading a trade or giving feedback on a trade, the context, the league size. Is it an A-team league? If it's an A-team league, just about every team in that league should be loaded. If it's a 14-team league, if it's a 16-team league, some of you crazy people out there playing in those 16-team Superflex leagues, I don't understand it, but hey, more power to you. But that changes everything in the dynamics, right? Just think about it. If it's an 18-team league, one QB, everybody's got good players. Everybody should have good players. So the margins are so much tighter. If it's a 16-team Superflex league, holy cow. If you're the person sitting out there and you have two elite quarterbacks in a 16-team Superflex league, you have a massive advantage over the rest of the league that's hard to make up. Now, generally when I talk about it, we just pick the middle ground, right? 12-team Superflex lineup league. Me personally, I prefer best ball. But that's also another factor to consider. Is it a best ball league or is it a lineup league? There are trades out there I will make in best ball leagues every day of the week. And I would laugh you out of the building in a lineup league. There is no way I want that. For example, 
I'm a big proponent in best ball where depth wins out most of the time. Lineup, there's a ton of variance, and you want those studs. You want those those massive hammers right up front all the time. In a best ball league, I can get by with uh, you know some some of those uh, dead blow hammers for those of you out there who know, right? You know they're not going to hit as hard as those steel hammers, but they still hit hard, just a little bit softer. Not meant meant to mess everything up. So, best ball versus lineup, that's also going to be a big thing. Starter size. Starter size is something that's always underlooked, right? And it's something you need to have a knowledge of or a base on if there is a lot of starters, right? For example, if we're using a super flex league, if there's a lot of starters, a start 13 league, you got to start 13 players every single week. Whether it's lineup or best ball, it doesn't matter. You start 13, the quarterback advantage becomes a little bit less in a super flex league, becomes a little bit less. You have more opportunity to make up that point difference at all your other starter positions. You get down to a start nine, a start ten, it's a lot harder to overcome those those massive quarterbacks and the amount of points they score because you have so few roster, roster spots that are starting that could do it. Another thing to keep in mind, the bench size. And we talk about this a lot specifically for best ball. Lineup. Probably not the biggest deal, right? But it does change the uh, availability of replacement players, right, on the waiver wire. What's actually on the waiver wire? If you have a very small bench, what's on the waivers is actually pretty decent. And you can find a ton of fill-ins week to week. Now, if it's a very deep one, you're looking at some some real crusties, some real gross players (laughs) sitting out there on the waiver wire that you have to make a decision about. But... If it's a best ball league, bench size is massive. It is it is paramount to knowing or understanding what you could do with your team. If I've only got 20, 25 total spots, roster spots, and let's say 15 of them are bench spots in a best ball league, I am very more apt to go for the better players in my quote-unquote starting lineup. I am more apt to go for the... You've heard it, the the studs and duds approach, right? Those are the those are the kind of things to keep in mind. If I have a very deep bench, well, I have more opportunity to stash good players or productive players. In a best ball league, I'm going to be looking at guys who maybe can get me two, three, maybe four weeks where they'll be above average and be able to make a best ball starting lineup. If I don't have that ability because it's such a short bench, I really need to evaluate how my roster is constructed and what's going to be at the end of my bench, what is going to be sitting there on my bench. Because if they're absolute zeros and I'm trying to compete in a best ball league, I don't want them on my team. I don't have enough roster spots to be able to to hold on to these guys, these projects, these dart throws. A good example I don't do, you know, I throw a lot of names out there, right? But it's not meant to be player-specific analysis. It's meant to be more just a generalization, a feel, so you can mentally picture or follow along with what I'm talking about. An example would be Hendon Hooker. Do I like the talent? Yes. Yes. Is he probably not playing this year at all? I can also acknowledge that. If I have a dynasty team that is competing and it's a best ball league, and I don't have the ability to stash a Hendon Hooker on a taxi squad, 
I don't have that ability. Say it's a sleeper best ball league. Taxi squads don't exist, right? That's a thing. They don't exist on sleeper leagues, not in best ball. I don't have the ability to stash a hen and hooker. I need like 30 total roster spots, 35 total roster spots in order for me to be able to roster a Hendon Hooker on a competing team. Why? Because I know he's a flat-out zero, and there might be one person sitting out on the waiver wire. If you think like last year, Trent Irwin, no one gave a shit about Trent Irwin until it came playoff time, and all of a sudden he's making lineups in best ball leagues if he was on your roster. That's the kind of opportunity you're passing up by rostering a Hendon Hooker. But once you get into such a deep territory on bench size, you get to 30, 35, 40, if you're one of those crazy people, which I know a few, and I'm probably one of them, then you can you can comfortably roster a Hendon Hooker. But say it's a, a 25 total roster spot, I pretty much need every single one of those to compete. Hendon Hooker would be a guy that if I drafted because I liked him, would have been one that I was actively trying to move at any any point if I was going to compete. Now, if I'm rebuilding or I'm, you know, just kind of playing in the middle, which I don't really like to do, but if I'm, I'm rebuilding or it's a slow play and I'm not really actively trying to win my league this year, fine. Doesn't really matter to me what the roster spots are. But if I'm competing, matter. Now let's transition here. Those are some of the, what I like to call just the basics of knowing your league. Right? Just the the groundwork, the framework, the the basic understanding of what your league is, and it affects your strategy in so many different ways. Right, Those are the basics. But there is a lot of what I like to call more in-depth knowledge of knowing your league, more in-depth things that you need to understand about your league. And these are some of the things along the show, not this show, but in future shows that we will cover and we will go over but they almost deserve an entire show all to themselves. Not that I couldn't do an entire show on just the basics, but I just want to lay the foundation of what this show is going to be in the future and going forward. And what are some of the things that Adam and I will talk about on here? What, what any guests that I get on here, what we will talk about on a weekly basis. And the first thing that I think is more in-depth and something that has captivated me as of recent, not only because we have the tool and we sell it, but it's how warp and a warp play into knowing your league. And I don't mean, I don't mean just the the fact that you can exploit certain things about warp and you can kind of have an understanding. But it's a perfect way that gives you a visual of the scoring of your league. So back when I first started playing Dynasty, before before warp before I even knew what the heck WARP was, before I even understood what that acronym even meant, I used to go into my leagues and I would pull up last season's points, points per game, and kind of get a feel of exactly how this league's going to be scoring. Because we can talk about all the settings, and you'll see it when it's posted in a trade, somebody asks a question... Uh, they're posting for openings for a league, right? We get the basics, you know, what what size it is. Is it super flex? Is it lineup? Is it best ball? But they'll put in things like PPR or tiered PPR or what the tight end premium is if there's anything like that or point per carry league. We take all that and we kind of internalize it. But the easiest way for me to visually see it is just go look at last year's scoring, turn it to points per game, 
and then look at all the positions as a whole. And a lot of times I go, holy cow, you know, quarterbacks, the top ones here are scoring 30 points per game. Running backs are lucky to break 20. Wide receivers, maybe the elite ones were 21-22. And the tight ends, you know, Travis Kelsey, yeah, he scored 20 points per game, but everybody else is like 15. And that would set me up for how I would approach the draft. I would go, man, I really need quarterbacks. This is super flex league, and look how much they're scoring. But I wouldn't ever really be able to differentiate across all positions or amongst the positions until Warp came on. And then Warp gives you an entire visual, gives you a graph all the way. You can see where the flat spots are, and you can see it for multiple years. I can go look at 21, 2020, 19, 18. I can go back a ways and look at the trends. And see, historically, there's a flat spot in wide receivers from wide receiver 12 to wide receiver 28, for example. And that is specific to my league, specific to my roster settings, specific to my starters, specific to all the scoring. That has been a massive change, a massive change for me. If that is the only thing I used Warp for for the rest of my life, it'd pay off tenfold. Tenfold. Because every single league that I join, whether I'm taking over an orphan, doing a startup, an existing league that I've in that I've been do uh, that I'm in that I've been doing wrong for all these years, I can rectify that with warp immediately. The most exciting thing is for those lineup players develop a warp. If you don't have an idea what a warp is, don't worry. I'm still learning myself. This is why I surround myself with very smart people. Shout out to Koopa Troopa. Over there running our entire warp system, running our website, and explaining to and helping me walking through exactly what A-Warp is. We had a pretty good primer about a week ago uh, when A-Warp released. Still something that I needed to dive more in depth to. The only thing I really took away from it was solid knowledges in most lineup leagues. Most lineup leagues. I don't care about tight ends. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't care about tight ends. I care about Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and the rest of them. I'm going super crusty. And by super crusty, I mean the Will Disleys of the world, the Kobe Parkinsons, right? Just name two dudes off the same team. But you get the picture. Those those really gross tight ends. And those are the ones that I'm going to not build my team around, but force myself to start so I can capture all the A-Warp possible with them. And I'm forced to do it while investing at other positions. But A-Warp versus Warp, essentially the big difference is A-Warp for lineups. A warp for lineups. Now in super shallow best ball leagues, you can use some A warp and get some adjustments. But uh, with warp, the big thing to know about is warp in a best ball league, as long as they're on a roster, you're going to capture every single piece of warp that you possibly can. You're going you're gonna to realize the full potential of warp in a best ball league as long as they're on your roster. Lineup league, that's where warp kind of falls short a little bit because you have to start them on a given week you need to start them in order to realize that warp that's where a warp came in a warp was merging start percentages how often guys were started when they would actually be started and warp together so a little bit about a warp we'll probably dive into it a lot uh big passion of ours big passion of mine uh something that i think is really changing the game and uh, we, we kind of joked around and talked uh, at the expo with the uh, with the C2C guys, you know, talking with them and said, 
know, maybe maybe we'll be able to develop uh, a college warp, right? Maybe we'll have to see if that'll that'll even be feasible because that's a giant undertaking. But college warp would be insane to be actually actually able to uh, to be able to understand more on the college side about how warp would affect those leagues over there because it's a massive game changer on the NFL side for sure. Let's see if we can get it over to the college side. Transitioning here, another piece of in-depth knowledge is going to be your league mates. And this is one of the things that I have a hard time actually giving strategy to people because I don't know your league mates. The only person that's going to know your league mates is you. Is you. You're in the league. You know what so-and-so likes. If they're a fan of a certain player, if they're a fan of a certain team, if they're always really going after quarterbacks or they're a big running back person. You're the only one who's going to understand your league mates, but this is in-depth knowledge that's paramount. I can't tell you how many times that I understand that someone likes, let's just use the example, like a Dallas Cowboys. They're a big Cowboys fan. Why is that important to me? Because if I roster Dallas Cowboys on my team, I understand that might be one of the first people I go to and offer a trade. If I want to move CeeDee Lamb, for example, I'm going to the Cowboys fan in my league first. That's the one I'm going to. I'm going, hey, CeeDee's available. What do you got? (laughs) Here's what I would like. And generally, I can tell you, you're going to get a little bit more from somebody who's a fan of a team or a player. Conversely, those people who know me and follow my content understand how defensive I have been of Trey Lance all offseason. Massively defensive. So if you knew me and you knew that I did that content and you knew that I'm a big Trey Lance fan, if you had Trey Lance on your team, you're going, yeah, I'd like to either, one, you believed everything that I said, which uh, unfortunately has not come true. That's a massive miss on my part. But either you believed what I was saying and you were on board with it, or you went, I see an opportunity. I see an opportunity to go to Mike and trade him Trey Lance. And out of everybody in this league, I can reasonably make the bet that Mike is going to pay the most to acquire Trey Lance from me. That's knowing your league mates. And that's some intimate knowledge that only you're going to have or only you're going to be able to do. Because I don't play in every single league. (laughs) It'd be awesome, but it's impossible. (laughs) We met uh, when we met at the expo and I met Koopa and we we started talking about a guy who uh, they they found out had over a thousand dynasty leagues, which is almost unimaginable to me. A thousand dynasty leagues. A thousand. Think about that. And most of them are lineup leagues. Like the time commitment. That that sleeper app has to load so slow when you're at a thousand. (laughs) Like you got to fire that up at five in the morning. Maybe by six it's ready to go. Uh, I mean, I'm just, don't take that to heart, sleeper. You guys built a fantastic product. But you know the frustration when you're trying to get a trade done or you're trying to get on the uh get on the draft board and, and make a pick and it you know it just lags just a little bit how angry you get. Like you start to panic. I couldn't imagine with a thousand leagues. 
not to mention the notifications. I do 35, 36, 37 leagues. I don't even know what the count is. And I get notifications. It feels like nonstop. And it makes the same noise over and over again. And my wife makes fun of me because of that noise. I couldn't imagine a thousand leagues. The point is, I can't be in every single league. I can't know your league mates. Only you are going to be able to. But hopefully, we can give you some tips, some tricks, a little strategy back and forth to help you understand your league mates and maybe try to get that little bit of edge on them. But the basic knowledge is going to come from you. It's going to come from you and what you know about your league mates. And if you haven't been paying attention, pay a little bit more attention, right? I'm, I'm not saying you got to have an, uh, a J. Edgar Hoover dossier on every single person in your league. But, you know, a little, a little note. Adam used to do a, a Google Doc back when he only did, you know, a handful of leagues, six, seven leagues. And he used to have little notes about every manager in his league what they kind of like, some past trades that they made. Could be an option. Now, when I do 30, 40 leagues, I'm not taking Google notes on every single person, but I try to mentally capture things that they've done in the past. And, and if you're on Sleeper, you got some great tools about looking at history of a manager and seeing what trades they've done, looking at the player history, etc., you also have all these awesome resources out there, right? We have a, a Sleepier on our website. You can check that out. There's a, there's a trade history. You can look up any manager. You can look up a specific player. You can look up pretty much anybody that plays in a league with you and figure out what this player has been traded for in the past or what they're currently going for. You also have awesome resources like Dynasty Daddy you can get on it. It'll give you a little bit of history on your league and a little, a little bit of insight to your league mates and what they've been doing. The next thing we'll talk about, and this starts at the very beginning, the very beginning, startups and startup strategy. There's so much startup strategy out there. Now, if it's an auction, there's strategy to an auction. If it's a traditional snake draft, there's strategy to that. But it's also knowing your league, right? What kind of format are we using for our startup? Are we using an auction? Are we using a snake? If it's snake, is it third round reversal? Which I'm a huge advocate for, especially in super flex leagues. If it's not third round reversal in a 12-team super flex startup, I'm not interested at all. Because whoever gets the 101, in my opinion, has a massive advantage over every single other person in the league. That's hard to come back from unless it's third-round reversal. Not just the 101, but the 102 gets an advantage, the 103. Those guys who can get those elite quarterbacks at the front, and then they, if it's not third-round reversal, they're picking, they're picking basically three top picks in a row before anybody else gets a chance, which is crazy. It's crazy to me. So, But that plays into it. That plays into the knowledge of your league. Is it third-round reversal? Is it not third-round reversal? Are we doing a snake? Are we doing an auction? But there's also actual strategies within a startup that you need to know whether or not they'll work or have a basic knowledge. And you can generally fill this out. You can generally fill this out. So I'll give you the scenario of a 
12-team super flex, snake draft startup, third-round reversal, the whole works. Let's just call it vanilla scoring, you know, your basic four-point passing touchdown, the whole works. Let's not get too too in-depth about it. But one thing I always want to know about my league is, all right, if I'm picking at the front, is it possible for me to pull off the two-elite QB strat, which is what I like to do quite a bit? So let's say I'm picking at 104. I want to go see if I can trade for 102, 103, 105, 106, 107, 108, and lock up right out of the startup two elite quarterbacks at the top. Two. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to send out offers, but I'm also going to take in any information I get back. Some people will just give it to you on a silver platter. No, I'm trying to do the same thing myself. Noted. Noted. This person knows knows about this strategy, and they're trying to do it too. Maybe I get a little bit more aggressive in my offers now that I have that piece of knowledge. Or maybe, maybe the knowledge I get back is they really overvalue that pick. You know, I might send out a second or third round startup for their first. Right? The 105, for example. They were counter-offer. They need my second, my third, my fourth, and my fifth, and they'll give me a first and a tenth. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> but now I understand where their value is at on that pick. Extremely high. Probably not somebody I'm trying to go for, go after when I want to move into an elite tier of player. Now I know it for the future, too. After they take whatever pick, if they don't end up trading it away, say it's Justin Herbert, probably going to be really hard for me to pry Justin Herbert off that manager at any given time. Probably. Another startup strategy. We always like to trade back, accumulate a lot of picks, a lot of assets, call it the productive struggle. At one point, I'm thinking probably last year during startup season, it was almost universally impossible to do a productive struggle and the trade back strategy and get people's future draft picks off of them. Why? Because it becomes so prevalent. Every content creator out there was talking about the productive struggle and trade back in your startup draft. Adam and I were talking about it. Every content creator out there wanted to do it. Every one of them. Which means... A lot of the listeners wanted to do it. And those were the people you were getting into leagues with. And you would see it. And you still kind of see it to this day. You know, you get in there. My pick's on the block. Send offers. I'm going to wait 15 minutes. Send some offers. I'd like to trade back here. Send some offers. You guys know it. You've seen it. It's happened. Now, there's been kind of a shift, and I would say it's more 50-50 now. It's a lot more 50-50 because you have content creators out there going, man, if everybody else wanted to trade back, maybe I'll trade up. Maybe I'll trade up and lock in two elite quarterbacks. That's a viable strategy in Superflex. Or let's let's spit a little 1QB start nine knowledge, which I don't really like talking about. Not my forte, but I understand there's a lot of leagues out there. But if it's 1QB, start nine. Why wouldn't you try to trade up and lock up like a Justin Jefferson and a Jamar Chase? 
or Chase and a Bijan. Everybody else wants to trade back, but those guys are the hammers at their position. Those guys are the elite of the elite. Go against the grain. Everybody wants to trade back, use the market against them and trade up. The point is, it felt like this year in startups it was a lot more 50-50. You still had the people who wanted to trade back and do productive struggle, but you also had the people who wanted to trade up, especially in Superflex Leagues, which is the only startups I did, that wanted to lock up two elite quarterbacks. But having that knowledge of kind of where your league is at will let you know what kind of startup strategy you can implement, you can kind of start moving to. Generally in a startup, though, you're just going to want to be fluid. You're going to want to be water. Shout out to Mike Lou. I do this all the time. Old school, bunk bed breakdowns. This is where you got it from. Listen to him talk. When you're in a startup, be water. Be fluid. Adapt. But that's part of knowing your league. Is adapting to the knowledge that you gain. Right in the startup. Next thing we'll move on to, trade strategy. Adam and I just did a great show, 40 chess show, dropped last Friday, talking about some basic trade strategy. And just the general overview. Like, we're in such a dead period up until right about now. <laughs> when you guys hear this, this is going to be, we're going to have things popping. We're going to know who's on rosters, who's not on rosters. Trades are going off. Roster cuts are going on right now as I'm recording this. It's insane. But just general trade strategy. That's some knowledge of your league. Some knowledge of your league that you need to understand. Can you pull off the the three for one in a best ball? Can you do it? Some people, when I go try to do a, let's say I'm trading one good asset, Christian McCaffrey. And I'm trying to get Antonio Gibson, Tyler Lockett. And just throw in some random startable tight end. Greg Dolchich. I don't even like Dolchich, but Greg Dolchich. I'm trying to trade one really good asset for three. And why? Because it's a best ball league. And I know nine times out of ten in a best ball league, if I have enough roster spots, those three assets are going to beat the one asset over the course of a year. Proven. The data to back it up. Got the spike week consistency week sheet to show it. De-risk myself. Instead of having to worry about, you know, one player goes down, I'm screwed. Now I've got three chances. One of them goes down. Still got two guys to carry the weight. But when I go make this trade in a league, or try to, I have a basic knowledge of who's going to let me do this and would be interested and who knows whether they listen to my content or they played in leagues with me before. Whatever the case. I play in leagues with some people that have no idea who the hell I am. And I love it. It's fantastic. But you best believe they have a knowledge. They have a knowledge of what I like to do. And they will use it against me. They will use it against me. So if I were to offer them deal in a best ball league, they've either seen me do it and had success with it in the past... Or they're not about it. But they'll hit me with a, I'm not falling for this. No, not going to happen. You're going to have to get a super, super 
crustier players back for me to do this. Like to the point where it doesn't even make sense for me to do it, right? They'd offer LaVisca Chenault, Jordan Mason, and Adam Troutman for my Christian McCaffrey. That's what they're going to force. That's the hand that they want to force. Not going to happen. But they have that knowledge. And I have the knowledge of who has the knowledge. It's a roundabout way of saying it, ain't it? I have that knowledge that I might be able to get this. I'm not going to say over on the manager, but I might be able to get this deal done with this manager. Or I might want to try to avoid it. I probably still send it, but I know what the answer is going to be. The other thing about trade strats and knowing your league, what positions do they value? It's a huge thing. Adam and I were talking about this. Not just positions. You know, some people are, are running back guys or girls, or some people really like wide receivers, or, you know, you know those people who defend tight ends, <clears throat> Adam, <clears throat> till they die. Love the tight ends. I don't. I'm out. But that's knowledge in a trade negotiation. That's knowledge that if you have, means everything. It means everything. If I know Adam loves tight ends, I might I might see if he wants to uh wants to meet up here. Alright? Adam. I'm I'm fully on I'm out on these tight ends. Screw these tight ends. I don't want them. Adam going, I might take them. I might take them. Now we both have knowledge against each other. But we're more likely to make a deal. We're probably both trying to screw each other over at some point. <laughs> Try to get the most out of the other person that we can. But I can guarantee that we're probably making a deal. Probably getting done. <laughs> Without too much headache. It's a trade strategy. And it all is stemmed off knowing your league mates. Every piece of information that you can get. The last thing I'll talk about and then we'll get out of here. Because this has been a solo show and anybody who uh, who knows me knows how nervous I get solo show. This has actually been very fun though. I've, I've really enjoyed this. Competing team ratio. And don't get scared. It's not... <laughs> It's not as complex as it sounds. But how many teams in your league are competing? Some of the best teams I have ever seen built have taken two, three years. But why did they become the best teams? Why are they the juggernauts and dynasty that they are now? It's because they had an understanding of the ratio of competing teams to the ratio of rebuilding teams. Adam, don't get a big head, but I'm going to shout him out. The original shit league, the OG shit league, first one we started. Somehow, Adam festered and cultivated the ability for 11 other managers to think from year one they were going to compete. 11, 11 out of 12 managers had the premise that we're going to compete. We're going for a championship. And what happened? Adam was the only one to go. Seems like a lot of competitors out here. I should probably just gobble up all these draft picks. 
I should probably just trade away anything of value on my team except for draft picks. And I would just take everybody's draft picks. You guys go have fun. You guys go beat the shit out of each other for an entire season. See how this goes for you. And was he bad the first year? Horrible. God awful. Was he bad the second year? Yep. Not very good that year. Was he bad the third year? To be seen. Looks pretty decent now, though. After two-year cycle of letting everybody else fight to the death over competing, now he can come in and clean up the scraps. The only people, only person with draft capital. The only person who can throw multiple firsts at anybody that he wants. The only person who's had the last two rookie classes. Whether you like them or not, there's some misses, but there's also a hell of a lot of hits in there. There's also a hell of a lot of value increase. For every Jalen Rager type, Adam got himself a Garrett Wilson. For every Trey Lance, got himself a Trevor Lawrence. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Competing team ratio. Very important in your league knowledge. Very important. How many people are going for it? If everybody's going for it, or majority of people are going for it, that's knowledge you can use against them. Say we got five teams all think they're competing for a championship, doing whatever they can. Those are the five teams I'm going to. Going, hey, what do you give me for Adam Thielen? Means nothing to me. Might mean something to them. What do you give me for this running back? I love Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's old. If Derrick Henry gets hurt, he goes to zero. No one cares. Let me take him to a competing team. What's he mean to you? Oh, first? Right, let me take it to this other competing team. What's he mean to you? I'll give you first and a second. Sold. Done. Here you go. Enjoy your Derrick Henry. Thanks for the first. Thanks for the second. That's what I mean. How many teams are competing? If there's only a handful, and it kind of seems like most of your league is productive struggling, most of your league is trying to rebuild, people really value picks, you have a decent foundation, but you only have one or two other teams that you really got to compete against if you want to go for it. Opposite end of the spectrum. Push your chips in the middle. Go to all these people that are competing for draft picks, competing for youth, competing for draft capital. See if you can't get some steals. Just use Derrick Henry. Maybe you go to a team who's got him. Can definitely tell that they're trying to rebuild. They don't really want to go in. Who else are they going to sell Derrick Henry to? Your competitor? Maybe your competitor doesn't have draft picks. Maybe your competitor doesn't have youth. Makes you the only show in town. Makes you the only person they can go to. Instead of a first, I'll give you two seconds. Oh, he's worth way more than that. It's the best offer I can do. Take it or leave it. You don't want to. You don't want to do that. That's fine. Go see what the Josh Jacobs manager wants for Josh Jacobs. 
Maybe I'll get him for two seconds. This is in-depth knowledge. These are things to think about in your Dynasty Leagues. These are things that can give you the edge, but these are just the baselines. And like I said, as the show progresses, especially throughout the season, we'll have more in-depth strategy on it. We can do whole shows on just about every single topic that we covered here. But I wanted to lay the foundation. I wanted to lay the groundwork of what Canton Bound is going to be. It's going to be this. It's going to be strategy. It's going to be finding those edges. Any more, the knowledge base out there for Dynasty has far exceeded what I came into. When I came into Dynasty, it was like a bunch of people with blindfolds on in a dark room, stumbling around, running into tables, falling over chairs, banging their heads off the wall. And now there's been so much light shined in this room, the blindfolds are off, Everybody's sharp. They know where to go. They know what to do. But there's still a set. There's still a set of strategy and basicness and edge and psychology that you can use against your league mates to get you championships. And ultimately, that's all we're trying to do. Trying to win a championship. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's not next year. But you best believe in three years, this team's going to dominate. This team's going to dominate the year after. And the year after that. We play this game not only for fun, because it's interesting. We get to kind of live vicariously and feel like NFL GMs. It's fun. But we play it for pride, money, bragging rights. Home leagues, seeing the last place team in your league get punished every year in a home league, it's hilarious. That's what we do it for. The end goal is to win, though. That's what it is. If you play it and you just like being seventh place every single year, good for you. A majority of us do not want to be seventh place every single year. I would like some championships. I would like a trophy, like somebody tell me I'm pretty and I'm special. And I want their money. I want their cash. I want to show up next year playing We Are the Champions. <laughs> That's the end goal. I appreciate, I appreciate everybody sticking with me. That's going to do it for the first episode here of Can Bound. We'll see you back here, same time, same place, next week. Thank you, everybody. I'm out of here.